This is the Dorkside News Network, and this just in. Round sound test again real quick. Okay, so testing with number one, because I am number one. All right. Are you sure you're number one and not number two? <gasps> I think you're number two. <laughs> All right, and Gabby? I'm number four. I like your Doctor Strange stuff. I just... Thank you. Most people, uh, I don't know, most people don't really comment on Doctor Strange stuff. Doctor Strange is cool. All right. So, uh, we are live. Oh, shit. <laughs> Get to it, James. Uh, sorry. Uh, what's up, everybody? Out there in, uh, what is it, net, n- network, internet land? One uh, job. Yeah, I don't know. One job and I just messed it up. This is Dorkside News. Uh, I'm James. And I'm Richard. And we actually have two guests today. And uh, they're by far way more experts with our topic today than I ever will be. Uh, and one of them took it so far that that's her job now. So um, you are Miss uh, Briandra, and I am an archaeologist. She is an archaeologist. That's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. And of course, a returning champion. Hello. <laughs> I am Goob. Hello, I'm just here Goob. Again. <laughs> and since we, since you were in the show last, it's actually just Goob now. Yes. So everything I've discarded my name. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just Goob. Do you feel mm-hmm. relieved? Oh, it feels great. It's still weird because when I do introduce myself, it's still like, oh, hi, I'm Gab. I'm not supposed to say that anymore. <laughs> I'm not Gabby anymore. I mean, I still am. It's nice to have that separation though between like work life balance. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, so if you didn't know what our topic was today, um, I don't know how you would because we haven't said anything about it yet. <laughs> uh, it's Tomb Raider. Um, we thought at first it was the 25th anniversary, but we don't know math. So it's actually the 23rd anniversary mm-hmm. of Tomb Raider this week. And we found, we just decided we're going to go all things Tomb Raider. Some of our listeners might be psychic. And so they might have known, or some of them just read the, t- the subject yeah, line. If you read the show notes, uh, you would probably know there too. And also... We have secret links in the show notes again, where I'm not going to talk about them, but I'm going to leave them a secret. This is the first secret link that he has not, like, like found himself just desperate to tell you guys. The secret link is Arnold and Linda. That's it. That's all you need to know. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with the format, we do news, and then we're going to talk Tomb Raider. And this is actually going to be a two-parter. We, um, we've done the pre-recording once before, and it worked out well. Uh, we're going to do another pre-recording because Tomb Raider is not just a one or two game series. It's several. And we're talking the movies as well. We're throwing them in there. So we're going to have two episodes of Tomb Raider. But first, we always have the news. So uh, the big news for us and especially me and Rich, I don't know if you're as upset about it as I am or surprised even. But uh, Last of Us 2 has been delayed. Uh, it was supposed to come out next month. And now it's coming out next year. And, and you were super excited. <laughs> I was. And now you're not. I, I, I was. Um, I feel like I'm also one of the only people on the planet Earth that didn't like the ending to Last of Us 2. No spoilers. Or Last of Us. I've managed Last to avoid the ending. I'm not talking about spoiled. I'm just, for everybody so I've talked to likes <laughs> the ending. And I was like, I wish it went the other way. Mm. Uh, it has been pushed back until May 29th next year. Ouch. Um, and I can appreciate that they wanted to get everybody hyped for this. But maybe don't. You know, say that the game's coming out last week, and then immediately a week later be like, <laughs> just kidding, it's, it's delayed <laughs> six months. I want to believe that with so many different things announcing that they're being pushed back to next year, I want to believe that that means that they've actually done some early testing, they realize it's junk, and, oh, yes. and the people with the money said, you know what, 
rather than forcing it out the door, because a lot of video games before, they were like, no, even though it's halfway complete, you said this is the due date, so it's live. And then they were surprised when they lost money and people were angry. So, <laughs> Did they specify exactly why? Yeah, I'm curious. Just more polish. Uh, it, wasn't, okay. it wasn't the way they wanted it. At least it's not. It, yeah. get, it yeah. gets me worried when it's like, is the game garbage? Then it is kind does, of like, do they have to start from scratch? Is it going to end up being a rush game that right. starts now till May? Does the game work? <laughs> is it Fallout 3 or is it actually a yeah. working game? If it's something that's just involving mechanics and just polishing the game up, yeah. I think I, absolutely I'm willing to wait yeah. for it. If it's like the story is terrible, we have to re- rewrite. We have to rewrite the script. That's where it gets concerning. Yeah, it's a little scary when it's like that. And I'm glad because I mean, yeah, I wanted to play Last of Us next month, but I'm busy next month anyways. I'm moving into a new <laughs> apartment. Uh, you know, it started my actual title. Mm-hmm. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, it's going to be busy, so I'm glad that we got at least a little bit of a break. And I still have several games this month and next month coming out. Medieval is coming out. Uh, I think today. I think. And, it's and why'd you bring up today. Fallout Three? I love Fallout Three. Fallout 3, I was bringing it up because it's so buggy. Fallout 3, not Fallout 4? Well, Fallout 4 is bad, but Fallout 3 yeah, is... Yeah, Fallout 4 is bad. Is, <laughs> it, no, Fallout 3 is the gold standard of bugs. Okay, it's, it's buggy, but actually I think that <laughs> the uh, wrestling game is actually the king of bugs. Oh, that's true. The WWE <laughs> games are... Well, wait, is it WWE now? WWE I don't know. I, that's why I was hesitant to say the acronym. <laughs> but my roommate Jasper is a mega huge wrestler fan, and he traded in the previous version and bought the new one erase the game content because he was so excited and he was like i'm never gonna play the old one again i'm only gonna play the new one and it was so buggy that he turned it back and uh he Aww. said i guess that's it no no wrestling for him for a couple years yeah that's sad and i think the new one um was made this is the first time that I, I listen to things this is the first time that this uh wwe game was made by a different company yeah so, I mean, it's understandable why there's bugs, but it sucks. I think the bugs are hilarious, but I, I, I don't I have to, when, I'm not trying to When play your it. face stretches to the top of the screen from the bottom of the screen, yeah. and you're trying to like powerbomb somebody, and it's you're like, oh, I'm, in, I'm, I'm not even on planet Earth anymore. Where did I go? At one point, it went kind of like X-rated. Um, I don't know X-rated, but I mean, it's pretty pretty wrong with a girl pinning the referee accidentally, and then that <laughs> <laughs> started getting real weird. <laughs> So yeah, bad news, Last of Us 2 pushback. Good news, Last of Us 2 is getting polished, so it'll be even better mm-hmm. than it was intended. You mentioned Fallout, and it just kind of rung a little bell in my brain. Have any of you guys been able to get a chance to play The Outer Worlds yet? No, I, Man, I, I want to. Playing. It's phenomenal. I, I I've it. only gotten to play it for one day because I've been so busy with yeah. work, but... oh. Yeah, that's what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> when I get back home, I'm playing. It's so fun. If any of our listeners are fans of myself, they know what game I'm still trying to complete, and that's Borderlands. I thought you were but done. I am done, but I mean, the Halloween event came out, and I still have trophies I have to get. Yeah, he's a completionist. <laughs> he's on this. Yeah. No, some of the Borderlands trophies are like, oh, I think that you were playing it the last time that I yeah, came by. Yeah, probably was. Am I ever getting Spider-Man get back? Oh, I thought I brought it back. No, oh. yeah, I'm done with it. I just need to bring it back. Okay. <laughs> oh, can I borrow it next? <laughs> you can. Yeah. All right. So up next, um, one of my favorite, not favorite, horror games of all time. It's my favorite because it scared the shit out of me when I played it. But it's my not favorite because it scared the shit out of me the last time I played it. Fatal Frame is by far, arguably, one of the most scariest games I've ever played. And uh, the series producer... Kaisuke Kikuchi, I hope I said that right, um, wants to do a game for the Switch. That game for the Switch. Fatal Frame, not a game. Um, and we were talking about this earlier. I think as a Switch game, it'd be interesting. 
because of the portableness and the the way it works. Because Fatal Frame is supposed to be you, a camera, and you're fighting ghosts by taking pictures of them. Can you imagine just being on an airplane and you're just sitting next to this like creepy dude and he's just like, yeah, don't look at me. Don't look at what I'm doing. He just pulls out Fatal Frame. <laughs> you're just sitting there trying to enjoy, you know, you're your like peeping pretzels. and then something jumps out. <laughs> Jesus. I would be that guy. <laughs> uh, Fatal Frame hasn't been even spoken of in a long time because the last one came out years ago. But it's cool that he wants to do this and um, on the Switch. It'd be like one of the first really big horror games for the Switch, I think. Yeah. If, if they yeah. did it. I mean, they have some, but not like Fatal Frame. There was some good ones for the uh, for the Wii, I think. so. It, I think Amnesia Dark Descent was on the Wii, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that one, you know, that's also terrifying. And the Switch, it's so cool that Nintendo is collaborating with so many different companies now. I feel mm-hmm. like we're going to have a ton of new content in the next few years for yep. the Switch. Yeah. I feel like Nintendo and Sony are so opposite in how they view collaboration. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <It's, laughs> Switch is like we'll work with uh, with Microsoft and put your game, game characters in our games, and then you can use ours. And Sony's like, you can play in our system. Well, maybe <laughs> we, we've talked about this before. That what does Sony have going for it? Its system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Nintendo, they could get rid of their systems, and they would still be a strong company that has meaning on the on the culture with because so many of their characters are beloved yeah mm-hmm. and sony doesn't have that so. if they got rid of the switch they'd still have pokemon and super mario and, and legend of zelda well, and metroid partic- particularly because you can't play you know metroid on any other system obviously yes you can but yeah because it's in a, but i'm saying like pokemon go and pokemon all the other mobile games you don't need a switch to play them yeah yeah, exactly. The, Nintendo is a powerful brand all by itself. So Sony just it isn't right. Like the the character they make the most in their movies belongs to Marvel. Yeah. So it's yeah they're just not good at coming up with their own characters and content. So yeah they have to be protective. Where Nintendo is like yeah I'll work with anybody just <laughs> just take it. Just, they weren't just always that way. No, they but aren't. I feel like that is probably why they have such a strong foundation because Sony was you know more willing to collaborate back in when you know when they first started. Whereas back you know think of like GameCube era mm-hmm. when you know we have the PlayStation One, PlayStation Two. And then you have Nintendo. That was back when they weren't really willing to collaborate with as many people. And that's kind of like almost like a golden age almost when you start to really become in love with these characters that are just Nintendo property. And Super Nintendo still arguably, I think, of any console, in my opinion, still has the best RPGs on it of all time. I mean, yeah, there's, there's really good ones on PlayStation. And, I mean, you have Fable on Xbox. So you have good ones. But, I mean, Chrono Trigger was it was on Super Nintendo. That's all you need. It's the only RPG you ever need to play. Um, this is the first time I think in months that we've talked about Norman Reedus and it wasn't followed by Creepy Fetus. So Norman Reedus <laughs> and the Creepy Fetus, otherwise Death Stranding, is not actually a news bulletin today. It's Norman Reedus is still in talks to do Boondack Saints 3, mm-hmm. which if you guys don't know me, I am one of the biggest fans of Boondock Saints of all time. I love Boondock Saints. Um, it is not my absolute favorite because Scott Pilgrim holds that title. I've seen Scott Pilgrim like 170 times. That is not an exaggeration. I really have. Uh, Boondock Saints is like actually underneath of that probably, I'd say at least 100 times. But then uh, Django Unchained is like the 150 mark. I'm just crazy. I watch the same movies all the time. But I'm excited. Norman Reedus coming back for uh, Boondock Saints 3 is a big deal because he's a busy man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
When, when people wonder why James uh, doesn't actually know anything about like some recent show, it's because he I'm spent that time rewatching Scott Pilgrim again. <laughs> yeah, the two hundredth time. <laughs> Before we continue on, for uh, speaking of Norman Reedus, I know we said we weren't going to speak anything about the Freaky Fetus, but they did just announce yesterday that um, Death Stranding is going to be releasing on PC, but it's not going to be until next year. Which are you going to play? Bullets. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was planning on I was planning on getting it for PS4, but. I, Mine's dying. Like, she, mm. she's getting old, and I know that I could just get a digital copy for it, but I don't want to invest any more games into my PS4 until knowing. we start getting knowing that the PS5 is going to yeah. be coming out. Well, so, I'm PS5 gonna, I'm gonna actually wait. has an annou- a release date of next year, holiday season. Yeah. So, we yeah. know it's coming. So, I'll wait, and I want to get it. I'm going to wait for PC. Like, I've waited this long to play Red Dead Redemption. Let me go ahead and. And take- now it's finally coming out on PC, <laughs> and, you know, it's worth my waiting. I managed to avoid spoilers the whole time. So, I'm going to try my best to avoid spoilers for Death Stranding, too. <laughs> there, there you go. Let me go ahead and take that bullet off of next week's podcast because, uh, I mean, I was going to use Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It's fine. Um, Norman Reedus, though, is still doing Walking Dead, by the way, which is why it's a big deal that he's doing this. Why is he still, still doing Walking Dead? Wait, that show's still running. <laughs> yeah, so that, that show is done, but there's still spin-offs. Oh. And so and he's he in might those. he might have some weird cameos, or he might okay. be in them. Who knows? Huh. Walking Dead just is a whole universe now, and of its and of itself. Uh, speaking of universes, uh, oh, I cannot wait to say this one. Netflix has teased us with Umbrella Academy season two <gasps> by showing uh, a picture. And notably, the picture had um, Ben. Wait, I think it, I think at this point, Goob has uh, managed to avoid spoilers for Umbrella Academy season one. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Umbrella Academy? I know enough about it. It's okay, okay if you okay. spoil it. Well, it's not, <laughs> it's not, I'm not trying to spoil anything for anybody else out there who doesn't want spoilers. But Ben was a big part of season one. And whether or not he's going to be in the season, was, the next season was under debate because of how things played out but yeah. the picture showed him in it excellent so ben is ben is back all of the characters look like they're back except for the ones that are not with us anymore i think but then again oh. it is a time traveling thing so who knows they can go back anytime. i bet they'll all be back yeah um but the important thing that netflix did with this one is they said it's coming soon and they tried to stress soon but what does soon mean i don't even like, understand because season one came out this year but Netflix is crazy. They the are crazy. Time. It would be the first time. Also, not a news bullet that we had up here, but Netflix is getting actually shit on right now from a lot of people for testing a new feature that people are not happy about. And that's the feature to watch movies at 1.5 speed. I Wait, love why it. Why would you want to do that? It makes binge watching even more bingier. Oh, okay, geez. imagine that you want to watch, fifth, uh, I don't know, let's say 14 seasons of Supernatural so you can catch up quickly, but you don't have three months to watch it. <laughs> So you only have a month and a half. Watching fast forward? <laughs> yeah. And, well, it's only one and a half. Okay. Why would people be upset about that if it's just an option? Is it forcing them to watch no, things it's, fast? They, there's a lot of directors uh, that are saying it's breaking their creative you know, uh, talent and stuff like that by... I don't know. I mean, if someone owned a DVD, they could just do that themselves. I don't see what the problem is, you know? Like if you well, but a lot of content on Netflix copy. isn't on DVDs. Ah, uh, see, and, more original content. Yeah. So, um, have you ever listened to an audiobook at faster than one x speed? No, what, I, would, I listen brain? to everything at the proper speed. <laughs> so I often listen to my audiobooks at a quarter speed faster, so one point two five. Audible has made it that way forever, but 
while there are directors hired for audiobooks, people don't think of them with the same love as cinema. Mm-hmm. Even the word, like, we're not calling them movies, it's cinema. Yeah. Um, actually, one of our re, uh, previous podcast hosts, um, David what's it, David Rosen, Yeah. Uh, he does a podcast, and now I'm part of his, like, group of movie watchers where we just criticize all things good. Um, <laughs> uh, because that's what movie critics do, is they criticize mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. I was listening to uh, Kevin Smith today, yeah. and actually Kevin Smith was not on his own podcast. He's actually doing his Jay and Silent Bob reboot tour. But his co-host was there, and he was explaining to his guests that he had on there, since he still wants to keep the show going. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't think you understand what this show's about. Kevin tells us all about the stuff he loves, and then I shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what so, um, so, yeah, the directors, they think that the, the fact that they made you wait 20 seconds before that big event... They literally counted out 20 seconds, and it's vitally important to them that it not be 16 and a half seconds. They think that's important. Personally, I think time is subjective. I think that um, depending on your mood, depending on your adrenaline, you perceive time differently. So uh, I think that you would be surprised that if you um, if you were to set something, I, I think uh, I think 25% faster is the sweet spot that after about five, 10 minutes, you can't tell anymore. And okay. it's kind of weird the same way, right? That, that our eyes see the world upside down, mm-hmm. but our brain flips it. And then if, if you wear goggles that flip the vision back to upside down after, after a while, your brain flips it again. Yeah. Right. I, think- I just think of, of this perfume and cologne. Like after five, 10 minutes, you can't smell anymore. It's still there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. other people can smell it, but you've gotten so yeah, used so to it. So you now. would just watch the whole, the whole series at 25% faster, 50% faster. I don't, 50% faster seems hard. <laughs> yeah. I start sounding like chipmunks at point. I would feel like it's stressful. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I personally like let people control their consumption. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, and I don't, I mean, Netflix is fine with it. It's the directors that aren't because Netflix is like, well, that just means you're going to spend more time watching oh, more shows. The That's critics true. hate Netflix. Yeah. yeah. They hate I can them. see why people would get upset because I feel like there's some certain scenes that are kind of like the whole point of it is for the scene to be drawn out and long. Like, I think like there's some scenes in like the first thing that comes to my head is even Galleon. Uh, there's well, a scene yeah. where it's literally just like, they're just standing there and he's holding something and it's just music. And it's just standing, and nothing happens. I bet nothing you all happens. the, the uh, anticipation is what kills you for it. I, all the Evangelion fans right now just spit their water out too. Like I know what part yeah. she's doing. <laughs> like, yeah, but um, I feel like kind of some scenes that are meant to be like sure. artistically just long and just draining your brain can it can kind of hurt that effect. I, but, but I think it's I think it's relative. Mm-hmm. I think that if the entire movie's faster, everything's yeah, faster. exactly. So yeah. if the battle scene goes from being 90 seconds to a minute, then that long drawn out 15 seconds of, of just music turns into 12 seconds or 10 seconds or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's still going to feel really drawn out. You're going to be like, what? <laughs> what's going on? See, I feel like maybe people would appreciate the Phantom Menace a bit more if they, <laughs> if they applied that to it because some of those scenes, it's just like, can we just fast forward through Holy this? Holy shit, like, you just opened up a whole new world. Imagine <laughs> watching Phantom Menace at times three speed. And then hearing Jar Jar speak. speak. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the best thing ever. Oh, 
all right disney plus take notes yes what i think should would should and would make directors angry is if somebody were to go through and make the um what was that cheat thing oh cliff notes cliff yeah. notes versions of movies and shows yes so that you could just watch the whole movie in 12 minutes and mm-hmm. it that should make directors angry because now they've lost their creative control. And I still think that people should be allowed to consume content however they want to consume content. Mm-hmm. But uh, but this isn't that. This is the whole movie. It uh, It's still the movie the director made. And if you want proof that time is subjective, I can promise you not a single person watched Endgame and thought that was actually three hours long. Yeah. I was dreading going into that movie <laughs> and i was fine yeah i was totally people fine. were like i don't know if i'm gonna have to go to the bathroom or what and they were like i blinked and it was over yeah i had to pee so badly but i refused to leave <laughs> yes. but it was Me just too. like it was getting traumatizing towards the end i was like oh we gotta go okay it's finally over god forbid you stand up and leave during the hey spider-man you got something for me Speaking of Spider-Man, it was almost like I did that on purpose. I really actually did not. I just forgot this was coming up. Uh, Five-issue special is coming up of Spider-Man. But it's a particular one that hasn't seen the light of day in a, in a little while, other than in Spider-Verse. Uh, Spider-Man Noir is getting a five-issue special, and we I've just seen the cover art for it, and it... Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. You'll have to show that to me later. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. That's really cool. It looks... It looks um, honestly, it looks amazing. And uh, Spider-Man Noir, if, I mean, I don't know if... I actually didn't read the comics. I only know Spider-Man Noir from the video games and from uh, Spider-Verse. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm looking at the cover art right now. Read the read the show notes, people. Click the link. <laughs> so All the cool. links are there. Yeah, that's beautiful. I don't know if he has the same sense of humor as he does in the comics, though. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I kind of hope he does. Because I guess that, we'll see. if and if they say that he solved the Rubik's cube, that would be the best thing. Ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted that to be the only color in the whole comic. Yes. <laughs> uh, so super excited about that. It was that. That's that. It, Spider-Man's coming. More. Uh, Nintendo's father, Shigeru Miyamoto, our Lord and Savior, uh, was honored at this year's Japanese Person of Cultural Merit. Isn't that wonderful? Ceremony. I read about that today. It's so so yeah. cool. he's uh he's just an awesome dude. Yeah. He's made um effectively he made video games what they are today. Mm-hmm. And I would yeah. argue that to the, to the death because with Mario or Jumpman as some people know him. <laughs> um and all the other games that became big and then other video game producers are like, "Oh, like we can make video games and they're good now." And now we're here. Yeah, before Nintendo you... all we had was ET on the Atari. Oh god, let's not talk about that. <laughs> And I'm old. Joust. I literally, I literally. Yeah, you remember Joust? I love Joust. <laughs> it's just so well deserved because when you think about it, you know, you think about when you learn in history about the great artists. You learn about, you know, Leonardo. You learn about Picasso. When you think about like the art then, how significant it was. You think about art now. There's so many different levels and types yeah. for it. And mm-hmm. video games are. It's an art form. Mm-hmm. It's it weird. Has to such think cultural that, significance. It's weird to think that, like, maybe 50 years from now, when we're talking to people that you know. Like, remember that one like artist, Shigeru Miyamoto, who made Zelda and Mario? It would just be weird to think about, but that's what it is. I mean... Mm-hmm. If I ever have a child, her name's going to be Zelda. Yeah. You know, and that... He changed the world. Yep. He changed everything. How yeah. cool is it that 
now with how fast everything is going like life is on like 1.5 mode <laughs> so true. he like did leonardo da vinci actually get recognized as a great artist in his lifetime i mean no. kind of yeah. did like he he was recognized and got like some like government contracts to build bridges and stuff for other mm. for other governments and stuff but not like this no. right mm-hmm. yeah let's see with van gogh van gogh wasn't appreciated until he was gone yeah, yeah. Um, but that's super cool that he got that award. And I know um, the Japanese have a very much higher standard of honor. And being honored in that way is it's a big deal for him. And I'm, I'm, it's super happy to, to see that he got that. Um, and I it's guess, so special that video games are being held up to such oh, a yeah. high mm-hmm. level. You know what? I forgot to even put this in the notes now that you said that. Um, the world is in a weird spot right now. So there's leaks coming out, and I don't know why this isn't in any of the show notes. You know, I should have... My bad. Um, <laughs> there's leaks coming out of BlizzCon, which is going to be in three days at the time of recording, of stuff like Diablo 4 and Overwatch mm. 2. What I think is particularly interesting, though, is the leak for Overwatch 2 came from ESPN. I did not know that. Yeah. ESPN had the first of, uh, initial coverage of Overwatch 2. And I was like... What? Those I almost wonder if it was intentional. <laughs> it probably was. Probably. If everything was kind of set up, like if it was kind of, you know, like, oh no, a leak. Oh no. <laughs> it's a good thing that people aren't just talking about that one thing about Blizzard. Now they're talking about Overwatch uh, 2 instead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's still going to come a full circle at BlizzCon. I guarantee mm, it. Yeah. Uh, I, if, I, I would be honestly surprised if I didn't see a free Hong Kong sign at all at BlizzCon. I bet there's people that at Blizzard that just wishes like, can't we just cancel it? <laughs> this is really bad. We, we need about six more months. We need the poo cosplay me up at BlizzCon, you guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I will buy a Winnie the Pooh outfit for somebody. I can't go. <laughs> no. Winnie the Pooh, May, and I guess people are saying Mickey now too. Or actually, no, not Mickey. I forgot. It's, they were uh, trying with Mickey. I Hello saw Kitty. That. Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. Because apparently there's a Hello Kitty theme park in, in Hong Kong. And so they wanted to use yeah. her as the icon too. So a Hong Kong or China would have to shut down <laughs> the whole theme park. <laughs> the Hello Kitty theme parks are supposed to have amazing food. So uh, I'm definitely planning on going when we go to Japan. And everyone's like, you're determined to go to the Hello Kitty park? I'm like, yep. <laughs> no shame. Yep. No shame. Awesome. No problem at all. <laughs> Um, in a sad day for Game of Thrones fans, if you cared at all, uh, the prequel with Naomi Watts I is no longer moving forward. Dun, dun, dun. It's I, so sad. I, wait, what? <laughs> I just disagree. Really? You're, you're happy about that? I think that um, a lot of Game of Thrones fans do not want the franchise to be watered down with a bad um spinoff mm-hmm. like because didn't you feel like the like the prequel is just like a money grab yes i mean you could say the same thing for when it comes to star wars but there's still i do still... say that about oh, you do. <laughs> yeah, i mean it totally I was i think that's something that can be interesting i think that everything deserves a chance and if you don't like it then you don't have to watch it's just it, it could it has potential and it was um you know a different director a different direction. Naomi Watts is very picky about what she participates in. And I feel like she would only, you know, accept yeah. to be a lead role in this if it was something that she believed in too. I actually, I a hundred percent agree with that. Mm-hmm. I just think that people sign on when they think Game of Thrones is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I think the reality um, probably wasn't going to match 
the expectations. Yeah. So yeah, she see, she sees some printed paper and she's like, yeah, this is going to be great. And I'm going to be part of what is really a, I mean, Game of Thrones, um, whatever you think about the last two seasons mm-hmm. definitely had an effect on media as we know it in terms of like online, non-movie yeah. quality mm-hmm. shows. And I think that if they canceled it, it's because they realized that people are getting very cynical mm-hmm. and they're not going to accept things that just have um, Superman and the logo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to make money. It's mm-hmm. not. It's got to actually be good. There was yeah. no, there was no uh, winning situation for this prequel. So if the prequel did better than season eight, we're like, well, at least, you know, it's season eight was crap. So now that's going to be the, the stain on, on Game of Thrones with season eight. But then if it did worse than season eight, you're like, I didn't think it could get any worse than that, but apparently it can. It yeah. just didn't seem like there was any way out. I, I'm very curious if HBO is going to be able to um, overcome the stigma of those last two seasons of, of Game of Thrones. Now, I, I'm watching The Watchmen. I was Either, say, you watch Watchmen? The only thing that I've watched on HBO has been Game of Thrones, <laughs> I do admit. Watchmen <laughs> is amazing. The... Um, the actress, I think she is she from the Cosby Show, the girl who's playing Lady Knight, uh, Regina King. Yeah, who's Regina King from? Um, I don't remember actually, but luckily we were prepared for today's episode, and I go. have a so, laptop in front of me. So she <laughs> is uh, an amazing actress. It's it's so so. I don't know. It's it's Watchmen, right? So it's very very political, mm-hmm. very <laughs> brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, this this show is great. However, um, I don't know. I just, I just feel like HBO is going to have to really step up if they're going to compete with Netflix and Disney Plus mm-hmm. and all these other, all these other online providers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Regina King is famous for Boys in the Hood, which I don't think any of us here would probably know that one. Uh, Friday, which maybe, yeah, yeah, uh, and then the big one, Jerry Maguire. She was um, the wife. Oh, she oh, was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that was, she was hilarious in there. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing uh, I haven't watched, but I've heard many things about. I've been listening to a lot of stuff about um, Watchmen. Only reason I can't watch it is because I actually don't have HBO. Uh, who knows what it's called now? Max? Go? I don't know. I Stop? I don't know. Whatever HBO streaming service is now, uh, I don't have it. But it's interesting because it seems like it took its the typical typical roles and literally flip them on their head like now regina king is the you know the star the main actress who has the super overly attractive uh, husband that's the trophy husband i guess instead of it being the trophy wife yeah they flip they flip everything she's um the cops wear masks because there's people who assassinate cops so now the cops can't um be cops they can't be identified Mm-hmm. And so then it kind of really explores this uh, w- this thing, which actually we live we live with right now, which is that um, a lot of cops are bad actors. Mm-hmm. And so when you have cops that if they don't wear masks, they'll be killed. But now you've got masked people pulling you over inside the road, and they've got their guns are locked, so they can't pull their gun unless they call their. Uh, um, the dispatcher and the dispatcher dispatcher has to push a button to unlock the cop's gun because obviously the cops had problems in that universe, yeah. which they have problems in this universe. I would, mm-hmm. I would love it if cops had to uh, get some sort of second back of like, Hey, I'm, I'm afraid for my life. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what they have to do in the, in the show. They, they have to say to the dispatcher, I'm afraid for my life and uh, I need to defend myself. Yep. And so then the dispatcher pushes, pushes a button and it unlocks a gun. Uh, one other thing that I know of just by listening to things, um, you've seen the first episode. There is a scene where a black cop pulled over a white, a white kid or a white male. Yep. And the white male seemed like he would act like a black male would in our culture right now. Like yeah. The way the stereotype is now. So it's like they literally like black and white flipped it, just reversed it completely. So how does this play into like the original graphic novel? Because I've heard different things. Like, does it take place after? or is it, it, like- it, it, So this, t- uh, the Watchmen, actually, I guess we could do a whole thing about Watchmen. Yeah. But the, the Watchmen takes place... Um, I guess 20 years after the events. Okay. So the, um, I guess the, the clan. So like the white supremacists Mm -hmm. have for some reason latched onto Rorschach. Okay. And they believe in this idea that the alien squids are a government conspiracy. Which, which by, is true. Which, by the yeah. way, there was no alien squid at the end of the Watchmen movie. So it was, it was a bomb it, instead. Yeah, but it was in um, it was in the graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah which is a big, yeah. so it's it's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. I guess it's more related to the graphic novel than it is the movie. movie? Okay. Even though I've I've heard, but I'm just basing off what I've seen. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching the show, they have periodic times where squids just fall out of the sky. Okay. And sounds like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> if you're Japanese, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> or or you like it. I mean, so um yeah, there's normal people have given a lot of control to the government because they believe that there is an alien invasion looming. Meanwhile, there's Dr. Manhattan, who's off living on Mars. Mm-hmm. There's another weird scientist. I don't know what's going on. The, sh- the season is, is a, Oz- a mini series, really. Ozymandias, is that what his name was? Or is it so- that somebody else? No, that was... Um, I forget. It's been a long time since I've seen The Watchmen. No, that, it, he was like the... Um, I guess like the Superman type of character. Like he was the good boy, gotcha. you know, like the boy yeah. scout. Yeah, like Captain America almost. Like, Cause he doesn't have superpowers really. He just yeah. has technology and money. Yeah. yeah. Or Batman. And Batman. Not, I mean, obviously yeah. the owl man was the Batman character. I don't know. They don't, there's no direct analogs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there is, I think the guy who created Dr. Manhattan uh, has created like lots of clones and stuff. And he's, doing weird stuff. I don't know. I really don't know what's going on there, but what's interesting is it's only a one season show. Yeah. They have no intention this, of making a second this season. This is supposed to tide you over until his dark materials comes out, which is yeah. interesting, which is the true game of Thrones. Because successor. his dark materials yeah. comes out, I think in two weeks, two weeks time. So okay. it's not much to hold us over because it's, it's, it's soon. It's coming out soon. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. if you guys don't know his dark materials, all you have to know is there's an armored bear in it. And that's, that's it. There's Just watch it because so there's, there's an armored bear. <laughs> and hopefully it'll be better than the Golden Compass yeah. movie, right? <laughs> I, it does sound like it's going to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of all uh, canceled things and Game of Thrones, this is an awesome segue. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, the writers of Game of Thrones, uh, mm-hmm. were slated to do the Star Wars trilogy, the next one. The, yep. the non-Skywalker trilogy. 
that is not happening anymore. They have, uh, I don't know if they walked away or if they just cut the movie, the trilogy. I read about that too. But. And even the article wasn't very specific, which makes me think, is it, is it actually like confirmed? Like I wasn't hundred percent sure. I was like, is this a rumor or is it like, have they made a statement? So I saw something, I think earlier today that yeah. said that they, um, pretty much admitted to not knowing what they were getting into. That's so weird to me or because something it like was that? so like everyone would always say that that was why the last season for Game of Thrones was so rushed. Uh-huh. It seemed like they were already like, oh, we need to hurry up and get ready to do our next project. Mm-hmm. But it's like, was that all just fan speculation this whole time that was made into fact? Like, Th- I, I don't know. That was know. the first comment I saw on mm-hmm. the on the post that I read about this. And they were like, so they ruined season seven and eight of Game of Thrones for no reason now. And I don't get it. I hope Disney just said, you know what? Why risk with these people mm-hmm. who can't seem to finish off what they start? Right. They might well, be amazing when they start. And they've done that in the past. Like they did that with Colin Trevorrow, who did Lost World. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to actually direct Rise of Skywalker. Um, and they kicked him out. And then I can't remember the two directors that were originally supposed to do um, Solo. But pretty much the movie was almost done and yeah. they're like Start no, over. you guys are yeah. get out of here we'll have it was a tough power, business right? to be in like these are really really successful people yeah with yeah. a lot of power yeah. and they're just like oh bye like well, <laughs> we i think we reported it on a, uh, a few weeks ago though d david benioff and db weiss were pulled into netflix or was it somebody else i forgot there was mm. two directors that got pulled into netflix for an obscene amount of money mm-hmm. to make a bunch more stuff so i'm sure they'll be fine yeah, yeah the, the only thing i saw in the article when i read it was that they don't have time to do star wars which is really strange for someone to say because it's it's star wars yeah mm-hmm. it's so confusing to me i don't know maybe um i feel weird with the rise of skywalker coming out because i still feel like in my like in my heart i'm just like Oh, it's not the end. Like, it's this isn't the last yeah. one. There's going to be... It's continuing on the same story. We're not going to have, like, a time skip or anything. Like, it's literally... It's, it can't be over. We're not there yet. Yeah, but <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I it's don't know. It's supposed to be over, and there's supposed to be a different stories thing? coming. So. I don't know. And actually, Jasper pointed out to us, uh, to me earlier that if you buy tickets now, while you guys can still buy them, mm-hmm. um, specific theaters are doing commemorative tickets that are encased. Ooh. So, oh, that's so cool. Because it's the final movie. So I wonder, because I, I got mine from Galaxy Theaters. Oh, that's, that's right. The one where you get to lean in the chair. Oh, you're mm-hmm. going? Okay. I might you're see you then. You're going to be sitting right <laughs> next to each other and not even know it. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and the last thing, if there wasn't news about EA in our news, I don't know if we'd be a, a good news channel. So EA <laughs> did something not stupid, actually. That's Holy crap. EA didn't do something stupid. Uh, they bit the origin bullet. They uh, they don't think origin is going to work very very much longer. And EA Origin is their their like coop, their oh, what is it? Not a streaming service, but it's their, their store. Their, their store, it's, right? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. like the their client. That's what I was trying to think. Of. Well, it's but it's like the Steam store. It's yeah. just like the um, who makes Fortnite? Epic. Epic. It's just like the Epic Sponsor. Store. Yeah. Right? So it's the Sims Four store. They haven't. <laughs> they haven't said if Origin is shutting down or not. But what they did say is, and it's funny you said that. Um, Jedi Fallen Order is going to be the first game from EA 
to be back on Steam. Oh, that's so nice. So it's coming nice, back to yeah. Steam. And then next is Sims 4 and mm-hmm. a few others. So. Okay. So just a little uh, little additional, like, reading deep into the, the contracts. Yep. So uh, EA is trying to still grow the Origin platform. And so what they've done is, if you want cross-platform play, they've said in the, in the, in the small print, you must sign up for Origin. Oh, that's good. So, so uh, I don't want to. I mean, I'm already signed up for Origin. Me but too. Yeah, I don't want to be. Yeah, I don't exactly. <laughs> um, so, if you want to play these games with your friends, who possibly well, no, actually, if you just want to play with your friends, you will be required to have an Origin account. But you um, won't really. I know that's what it says. But you, and have, that's, you don't that's have to use intent. it. <laughs> but if you open up the game in a Steam one, you can still use Steam's. But you won't be able to, to play with any Origin players. Nobody's going to play on Origin anyways, though. Who cares? There will still be many, many people who <laughs> see that they they had to buy or, or they had to download Origin because they played Sims or played yep. whatever. Mm-hmm. And those people see it and they click buy now. And now they're stuck at least another generation of games in Origin. Okay, so don't buy anything on Origin. Just go to Steam. I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I actually think that you will not be able to play um, multiplayer without origin period i guess we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. find out we can't find out with jedi fallen order because it's a single player game mm. yay <laughs> i'm excited that wasn't actual sarcasm i'm excited because ea doesn't make single player games anymore until until now I, uh, i'm going in with a cautious optimism yeah there we go. <laughs> it does look good i've seen a lot of the i just watched the launch trailer again and it's like you know i'm so big, excited there's a big alien that's like three times the size of a human that has a double double sided lightsaber and he's spinning around. I don't know what's going on there, but it looks cool. Oh, they finally made my OC into a character. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the news. Um, I guess next up is our, our Tomb Raider stuff, and <gasps> I'm gonna rely heavily on the two experts in the room because I've played some some of them, but um, you in particular have played. All of them. I have played all of them. I just <laughs> noticed your shirt. Yes, I am. Actually, <laughs> you? I am actually wearing a Tomb Raider shirt that I bought, I think, at Hot Topic um, when the first reboot game came out, the 2013 yep. game. Uh, and it actually has uh, Lara on the front of it. That's the Lara. So, so iconic. That, that's, yeah. the Lara. that's one of the Laras. <laughs> one of the Laras. There's lots of them. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so this little half that we're going to do, I'd say half. I don't know if it's actually half, but... Uh, we're going to talk about the polygonal era, the polygon <laughs> 540 polygon pointy boob era that everybody likes to make fun of. But I mean, all right. So um, the uh, the we're going to go through like many questions as people just have ideas and people can, we can just go off forever. But the core question I wanted to ask you too as we go through is: Is Lara in this game a good role model? Because there's a lot of questions of, is she just a girl because she's got boobs? Is she... Um, and I think a lot of people that have never played Tomb Raider, that's what they think Tomb Raider is. They just think that, mm-hmm. oh, great, I get to watch some girl jump around. Indiana um, Jones with boobs. That's that's what they think. But that's what they not. No. Um, it's definitely not. But what I'm kind of curious, because I, I have only seen screenshots of early Tomb Raider. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this section, actually, just because... Uh, I think Bradger can can fill in some gaps mm-hmm. in my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I think the easiest thing to do is while we go down uh, the timeline here, 
if you could if you know all of them off the top of your head just a quick synopsis of what mm-hmm. the game was about and then we can say whether or not we think she was a role model or just a, a, an icon i guess <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yeah the best way to put it uh, without being too yeah so we start off in 1996 mm-hmm. i was 11 years old so i probably didn't if I did play this one, I played it at a friend's house. I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. I graduated high school. <laughs> <laughs> so what makes it, it's interesting that you brought up Indiana Jones. Because originally, they did want a character that was exactly like Indiana mm-hmm. Jones for the original game. And they're like, hey, we're going to get in trouble. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna have some copyright issues. So that's when Lara Croft actually came into play for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, she was originally not going to be British. She was going to be a uh, Latina. A spicy Latina. A that's spicy what I have. Latina. Yeah. <laughs> and her it, name was, what was it? Laura Cruz. Yeah. Now, is it Laura Cruz or the It was Laura. Hispanic it was L- version? L-A-U-R-A is but the way they spelt it. Yeah. The Hispanic way to pronounce it, I think it was Laura. And Laura. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Laura and Laura are very, very close. So that's yeah. why. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So um, 1996, first game. And it was no surprise called Tomb Raider. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 540 polygons in this one. Um, fun fact, real quick. They had to cut out the braid, the iconic braid mm-hmm. for uh, Lara Croft in this one because they ran out of polygons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also, there isn't a polygon for the sky. Yeah. It's just black. Yes. This <laughs> is true. Mm-hmm. So what's going on with the first game? So basically the first game is your introduction to Lara Croft as a character. And the game starts out, basically, she's off someplace else, chilling in a hotel, and this sleazy American cowboy approaches her and is like, hey, I got somebody that needs to talk to you. And this is when you're introduced to the main villain of the game, Jacqueline Natla. And she basically is the CEO of this genetics company and thinks, you know, hey, I need a badass archaeologist to go find this trinket for me that's called the Skion, which is basically just this little doodad. It's kind of round and stuff. And <laughs> apparently, not, not pointy though, right? Not pointy. <laughs> not pointy like her boobs. But, um, so basically, this artifact is from the lost city of Atlantis. And so, Laura's like, eh, not really that interested. And Atlas like, well, there's lots of money in it for you. And she's like, mm, I only play for sport. And it's like, okay, well, how about this? You get to go venture in the Andes mountains and get to do all this cool stuff. And she's like, okay, cool. Let's go do it. So basically from that point forward, you're just alone in the tombs. Climbing rocks. Climbing rocks. Jumping gaps. <laughs> making extreme acrobatic, yeah. defying First gravity. Game, there's a huge emphasis on isolation and kind of mm-hmm. just being like content with yourself almost. And yes. I feel like that is instantly, like when you ask if Laura Croft is a good role model, 100% yes. Yes. She completely owns herself. She's not mm-hmm. doing this for money. She's doing it, as you said, for, for sport. sport. Yep. Um, money helps, though. She only well, has, see, she, has that, I, she only so. fights like five humans. The yes. entire time. Yeah. Tomb Raider, uh, Tomb Raider stat of the day, six humans died in the very first game. I actually uh, yes. looked that one there up. There you go. Yeah. And, I was then, <laughs> and then there's over 100 that die in the 2013 version. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you can see, like, where things changed. And mm-hmm. it's actually kind of funny. Um, when the first game came out, they got a lot of flack from, like, 
PETA and all of these animal activists. So only first. six humans died in the first game, but good lord did a lot of animals get yes. killed in the first game. <laughs> they did. Like, your primary enemy in all of those games was animals. Because mm-hmm. you figure you're in the middle of nowhere, and what are you more likely to run into? You're more likely to run into wolves, mm-hmm. bears, tigers, which, yeah, it's sad killing them, but ultimately... They make nice rugs. They make nice rugs, yeah. And I'm sure her house was full of them. Yeah. She's doing it to survive. Yeah. And she has a goal mm-hmm. in mind and she will do what she needs to do to do it. But she also doesn't she doesn't hurt people in yeah. order to achieve her goals. Yeah. Is very... she trapped there? No. So she, so she's cuz normally like she ends up trapped somewhere and she has to like get back. Well, so mm-hmm. trapped kind of like so the opening, one of the opening um, cinematics for the first game is she finds the tomb that she's looking for, opens it, and immediately when she walks in, then the door slams shut behind her. And mm-hmm. then basically, yes, yeah, she's trapped inside, but it's not a problem because she is looking for another way out. So it's kind of like... Um, Kind of like solving a labyrinth in a little bit of a way. Is, is that the whole game or is does she move on? No, she moves on. So like, okay. um, you know, eventually you'll get to where you need to go and get out of that tomb, move on to another one. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the end and reach your ultimate goal, then you go off someplace else. Mm-hmm. So you are literally, I mean, it's called Tomb Raider. You were yeah. literally raiding tombs in the yes. first one. She's you much are, more yeah. of a jet setter in the original mm-hmm. games. Yes. It's more of like, I'm here because I want to be. Yeah. If she yeah. really needed to like quit and go, she could. She doesn't have mm-hmm. as much of a um when in the origins of Laura Croft, yeah. she doesn't have as much as at stake. Yes. As it the the stakes build up each game mm-hmm. of what's yeah. going on. But in the original one, it's uh I mean the stakes are pretty high still. But it's not. Um, oh, they get it's worse. It's not her entire character, right? Are, you know. Do any of the villains from Tomb Raider One continue on? Yes. So, actually, Jacqueline Natla becomes a prominent villain in the first rebooted trilogy, which um, is Legend and Anniversary and Underworld, um, and then. Two of the villains from the first game, uh, Pierre Dupont and Larson. He doesn't have a last name, at least not in the original game. <laughs> he, he's the sleazy he's cowboy. Sure, sure. He's just Larson. So um, they appear in the fifth uh, game in the originals, which was kind of like a hodgepodge of like just different stories in one game. Mm-hmm. And they were in like one set of stories levels for yeah. one story you know what i don't get to is there is not a single game out that's done this yet but like you said when you mm-hmm. walk into the tomb the first time the door slams behind you there's not a single game that has let you turn around and be like can i open the door and the door opens and you're like oh okay well fuck this then i'm just gonna leave <laughs> and then then you're done with the game like as a joke ending or something like that no game has done that ever yeah i mean and obviously that's not the entire game but if you did it as a joke ending 
that would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, none of this stuff actually happened because you left. And yep. that's it. Mm-hmm. In 1997, I feel like that's when um, they took a very, very big turn and you became more of um, oh, oh, Lara Croft because she, she gets a bit mad. You know, she's there's much more human enemies. Yes. Well, and you <laughs> said, right okay, so moving on to Tomb Raider 2, uh, mm-hmm. that's where the father's introduced for the first time, right? Which is only one year later. No. Yeah. Actually, the father... The first time we ever deal with her parents is pretty much the movies. Like oh, okay. when the first movie came out, that was the introduction of, oh, here, let's give her daddy issues yeah. type of thing. And basically, it, it's never talked about in the games, but core design, when they came up with her character, gave her kind of like a background biography that was in the little booklet that came in the Mm. sleeve and basically it was like okay she was born to a really wealthy family they were aristocrats and you know she was being uh groomed to live that lifestyle Mm. and was had an arranged marriage planned for her and all this stuff and at the age of 21 she was coming back from a skiing trip and was in a plane crash and she was the only survivor. That was in the book? That was, that was in the little booklet in the first Tomb Raider yeah. game. Yeah. Man, none of the books I had for any other ones had cool story stuff like that. No, they always, always like yeah. press start to pause menu or... Yeah, no. <laughs> there was a whole background story. Yeah, Lara Croft didn't start off being like super independent yeah. on... Um, super dependent on her family and mm-hmm. her family values. Um, originally, like for a part of her story is that she is a writer and she uses her writings mm-hmm. in order to sponsor her expeditions yeah. because her family did not approve. Mm-hmm. Of what she was doing. And I feel like just that is, that's a role model right yeah. there. Yeah. She has yeah. something that she's incredibly passionate about that her family mm-hmm. doesn't approve of. And mm-hmm. she's like, okay, I get that. We're in a really, really incredibly rich family, but I'm going to make my own mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. off of my brain. And that's, yeah. that's exactly, and that's part of that original uh, background for her that's in the booklet is that basically she's like, okay, if you guys don't like who I am now, then bye. See you later. <laughs> and so like, the training levels in those early games takes place at her mansion and it kind of does give you something to aspire to because wow you know she had a rich family where obviously this could have just been handed to her but then she made it for herself and then got her own mansion i wanted to point something out too that you mentioned rich um so the first game came out in 1996 mm-hmm. tomb raider 2 were about to start 1997 mm-hmm. so the first game was made by six people Wow, yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's incredible. Only six people made it. Yeah. And then the next game came out a year later. Mm-hmm. And then the next game came out a year later. Mm-hmm. And this happens all the way up until 2003. Mm-hmm. Yep. So eight games a year apart every mm-hmm. single time. Yep. What, I, what I think is really interesting about that is that Tomb Raider basically is like the first of the 3D games. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. She's right there. Mm-hmm. And so she she really reveals how games became blockbusters like movies yep. and so it became yeah. teams of 50 yeah. hundreds yeah. hundreds so of people there was, go ahead, there was also another game at this time that was making headway um it doesn't really exist anymore as a franchise but i think it failed because of this reason uh turok was also <laughs> big the same time tomb raider was big kind of the same thing but except mm-hmm. you're a dinosaur hunter instead of an archaeologist mm-hmm. and i think with that one it failed because you, you control Lara as, mm-hmm. 
you know, climbing and jumping and mm-hmm. you use it as a regular up, down, left, right. Mm-hmm. Turok mm-hmm. had... That weird claw control. Yes. You yeah. had to use, on the Nintendo 64, the C buttons, which were on the far right, to move and to aim. And it was the weirdest control scheme ever. I don't know mm-hmm. why I felt like that had to... I feel like the original controls for um, Tomb Raider have aged quite poorly. Oh, yeah. And, um, I mean, thank goodness that we did get, you know, a remake in 2006, I believe. Yeah, I think it was the first one, yeah. And um, I think the reason this why... This is impressive because you guys are both saying dates, and I have a computer in front of me because yeah. I don't know the dates, and you guys have been right every single time. Yeah, yeah every single time. But um, my... Uh, what was I oh, so I think that one something that really kind of like drove Tomb Raider and it, it had benefits, but also disadvantages because it gave people the wrong idea. Once you come in towards Tomb Raider 2, that's when they started to really flex advertising for the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's when they really started to put in um, Larkoff's sex appeal as mm-hmm. being a part of it, even though it, it's not really that big of a deal no, in the game. It's not. She's not bad. She's just drawn that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, like she's and not. It's funny you say that mm-hmm. because that was an actual thing that happened. The creator for Lara, when they were working on the character model, mm-hmm. was just messing around with polygons. Mm-hmm. That's what it was about. And they increased her breast size by 150%, just as, like, what happens if I move this polygon over here? Mm-hmm. Well, he was going to revert it back, and a bunch of people saw it right before mm-hmm. he did it. And they're like, don't don't change it. We like the way that looks now. Yeah. And it's literally, she's not bad. She's just drawn that way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The original creator, actually, um, he ended up leaving because there were some issues with advertising. Yeah. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. pretty upset with the direction that advertisers would take with um, basically exploiting her sexuality and taking it into more of a negative connotation instead of rather of an empowerment. Mm-hmm. This actually kind of backfired because it's really interesting is when you see um, overly sexual advertisements for video games, a lot of times you're like, oh, this is only appealing to straight men. Only appealing to straight men. Uh, it completely, it, it could have... It couldn't have worked better for them because <laughs> yeah. it didn't just appeal to straight men. It's also a power fantasy to women. Women mm-hmm. love being sexy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I feel like nowadays it's not. Um, it's a lot more taboo to be owning with sexuality in video games. I feel like people have toned it down a lot more. But back then, I feel like it was kind of. It was more so like something to aspire to be. You wanted mm-hmm. to be like Lara Croft. You I, wanted to attempt to date Lara Croft and then get rejected. I, <laughs> only, I only disagree with you on one thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, people that that use sexual appetite or sexual appeal for marketing are marketing a literal sexual game. Like any one of the sex games that are on Steam, that's usually like they're mm-hmm. using sex appeal because you have sex with the characters <laughs> in that game. But yes, in any other instance, it seems like it has very been vastly toned down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Toning it down to the point where it feels like a lot of the games are like almost being kind of against any woman who's naturally curvy. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. no, all apparently you're a bad person if you design a character that has curves. Mm-hmm. They're all supposed to look kind of like teenage boys, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like, well. And Real what, women sometimes have curves. Yeah, and what's funny about that is that I know women in the Tomb Raider fan community who have expressed that that is one of the reasons why they love her, because her body type represents them. Mm-hmm. That, you know, their whole life they've been big busted and they don't like it because... Contrary to popular belief, having big tits is not necessarily a good thing, <laughs> but... They like that about her. They mm-hmm. like the fact that she represents a different body type than what was usually 
uh, represented at the time. Yeah. It's funny, too, that you say that. I don't mean to stray from it, but I did notice something in talking about this. Um, when you're talking sexuality and stuff like that with this game, they usually focus on the large breasts mm-hmm. and the curves if they're there, when, when they are there. Mm-hmm. But you will never see a game with Indiana Jones or a male that's like, look at his giant dick. It just doesn't <laughs> I mean, happen you do, like that. You do get power fantasy for games that are just for a power fantasy for men. Think for like... Um, a lot of fighting games. You get God a lot of, of really big. Got God of War. Yeah. You mm-hmm. get, um, you know, Metal Gear. Like you get, um, you know, Gears of War. You just get just everyone abs. is just All like abs. you know, mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of like different looking types of men. Even Uncharted. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. speaking of mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, Uncharted. It's <laughs> yeah. still a power fantasy, but it's depicted towards. You know, you, you're so used to seeing it for men yeah. that you almost get, you get immune to it. You don't yeah. even understand that it is a power fantasy when you see these extremely Absolutely. buff men. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then, but when you see a woman kind of being treated the same way, it's more shocking because yeah. it's so rare to see women lead in video games, especially back then. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's why it was handled with such, uh, people were shocked. Mm-hmm. You know, people never saw that before. And it, it is unfortunate the way that history has treated Laura Croft because I think that a lot of people were so shocked by it. They immediately assumed, oh, it was only mm-hmm. men that ever worked on yeah. the Tomb Raider yeah. games. But this it's, was gross. But it, no, not, a, not no, at all. No, actually, there were, I think, two yeah. women that worked on that game. Um, yeah. Which is like a third. Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. 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 probably... Uh, uh, yeah. That reflects um, the percentages of women in IT in general, actually. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that seems very and, like normal. And at the time, probably the amount of women that were playing games. Yeah. At that time. But see, this is the thing is, like she said earlier, is that I feel like probably Tomb Raider along with like Metroid is what drew more women into playing Fucking video games. Love Metroid so much. The culture shock of Metroid still makes me laugh. Yeah. When, that, when she, that final moment yeah, when she, she took her yeah. helmet off, she took her helmet off, and you're like, "That's not a guy! What <laughs> yeah. the fuck?" Because it does it. It gives women a sense of empowerment that mm-hmm. hey, not all video game heroes are men. That women can do this stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know, video game culture. A lot of it is basically you know, well, women don't play video games. Women don't do that there aren't gamer women and if they are they're just you know hot sluts that are on twitch (laughs) type of thing you know and that's not true like i've been playing video games since i was god i don't know like five years old i can't remember a time in my life without video games and like tomb raider for me was like one of the first games that i really latched on to and was just like I love this. I love these games. I love playing video games. What was, um, I feel like the news media kind of portrayed Tomb Raider as being a game only for men to play because, ooh, they get to play as a horror. But it wasn't, I feel like um, the entire gaming community kind of just latched out into it and made it their own, which Mm -hmm. is exactly what the game developers wanted. Yeah. And what's great about that too is having been a part of the fan community for, oh my God, I don't even remember how long now. It's really interesting to see the subculture that has formed. And even though her, her sexuality is never a topic within any of the games, um, 
she is a gay icon. Like she there, is. there are so many LGBTQ mm-hmm. people in the fan community that love Laura Croft. I know several um, men that you know, gay men that love to cosplay as her, mm-hmm. and it's not like you know, oh, I'm gonna put boobs on and a wig and stuff. No, they made her character their own, and mm-hmm. so they've. You One know. of the actual cosplay ambassadors that represents Lara Croft when they go to, you know, San Diego Comic-Con and you go over and he played, you know, um, when he plays Jado the Tomb Raider at the booth, they had male cosplayers. Mm-hmm. Not They weren't cross-dressing as Lara Croft. Mm-hmm. They were them. It was yep. themselves as Lara Croft. Yes. Because everyone is able to see, and that's something that makes Lara Croft so special, mm-hmm. is you can still, no matter what happens, she's got a bit of, you know, she's got humanity in her mm-hmm. while also being a badass. And you, you can see yourself in Lara Croft. That's yeah. your confidence. Your confidence is Lara Croft. Yes. Yep. So, she's pretty great. She's yep. pretty amazing. <laughs> yes, she is. So, two Raider 2. Let's get back. Okay. <laughs> so, we can, we can go, like, let's... We can go Maybe quickly. just, call, yeah, like, call out anything you you recall that, that basically has an effect on the long-term storyline of... So Tomb Raider 2 is when they really start to involve, uh, evolve the mechanics of the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when the polygon rate got a bit higher. They were actually to get able to... 541 polygons. They were able actually to get the braid to work. Um, they have a sky. They have a sky. <laughs> they introduced uh, underwater levels and swimming, mm-hmm. which honestly, those are the most terrifying for me. But... I think we should have an entire conversation on underwater levels yeah. and why <laughs> they are awful in every game. I mean, that's something that people absolutely loved about the original Tomb Raider yeah. games, though. And I wish that um, I wish that they stuck to their guns. Yeah, because I feel like that was one of the the great old water yeah. levels back in the day. If only more games took notes from that, I feel yeah. like people wouldn't hate water levels. This is I, true. I blame my fear of water levels not on Mario, which is what everybody mm-hmm. would expect, but on Sonic, because in Sonic, when you were underwater. For more than a you know, certain period of time, your music changed and it was you, it paced more and you're like, I need to get out of the water, I need to get out of the water. That's, I, that's why I feel like everybody's fear of water came from is the song. Oh, could be, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Tomb Raider 2, that's where we get the Italian Mafia, right? Yeah, so that one basically changed gears with the villain and um, the mythos is around this one pertains to a dagger and... So it has some Chinese mythology and stuff in there that basically this dagger, if you stab yourself in the heart, which sounds counterintuitive, you basically gain the powers of a dragon. And so you turn into a dragon. And so basically this mafioso guy hears the legend and decides, you know what? That sounds pretty cool. I'm going to head and go find that thing. (laughs) And Laura's like, sorry, dude, but party's over and so mm-hmm. basically she decides no this is a bad idea i'm gonna go find it first she and just let him do it stab himself in the heart and then find out oh well, it doesn't work well <laughs> which is funny because that would have been the joke ending yeah. but um no actually the like the final boss battle is he manages to successfully stab himself in the heart and you basically have to fight a dragon um yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very drastic difference from Tomb Raider 1 to Tomb Raider 2. All of a sudden, you're fighting dragons. Yeah. Like, yeah, you were I fighting I mean, you still you go to Atlantis yeah. and Tomb Raider 1. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, we kind of brushed right over Yeah, that. yeah. Tomb Raider 1, you do go to Atlantis and you do fight some very freaky looking monsters. <laughs> and I have to tell you, like, I'm pretty sure this is probably where, like, Silent Hill got some of their ideas. Yeah. But <laughs> Cthulhu was hanging out in the background, Rich. 
just little squid guy hanging out in the back. You're like, hey, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like as time went on, once you get into like 1999 and the 2000s, I personally feel like that's when Core Dynamic, Core, blah, 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 core Design kind of lost their way. They lost the creator. Well, I think like what happened was, and again, like this is from being part of the fandom and like knowing so much about all of that stuff for reasons I'm not entirely sure of. <laughs> but um, basically what happened was Core Design wanted to move on and do other things. So like by the fourth Tomb Raider game, and I mean, I guess we're jumping ahead. Yeah, we can jump ahead. That's fine. Okay. So the fourth game basically was supposed to be the end. It was supposed and to just wrap things up. The fourth game is Last Revelation? Is Last okay. Revelation. Yes, that's correct. And and so, uh, so Gabby touched on 2000 Tomb Raider Chronicles era yeah, and on. So that's, and so you're you're describing the end of the good games and the beginning of what is yeah. bad. Yes, <laughs> basically. Um, so what happened was Core Design, I think, wanted to just end things, yeah. and they wanted to move on and do other things. They wanted to Game of Thrones it. <laughs> We're yeah, done. Basically, I mean, it's, pretty much. And yeah. when we, as we continue going on, you'll find that this is a unfortunate common theme <laughs> yes. for Lara. Yeah, it is. It's very sad. And so Eidos Interactive, which was the company that published the game, they basically owned the rights wanted to continue making more games. They saw it still as being profitable and they were kind of the ones that pushed the release a game every year. And so when the fifth game came around, Chronicles, it was like, that's the start of the downfall of Lara Croft because this game wasn't really a full game. It mm -hmm. was four different stories in one game and it kind of was supposed to like i guess give you a happy ending yeah. you know answer some questions that were left at a cliffhanger for the fourth game mm -hmm. and then they decided after that they're like okay this game was terrible but hey guess what we're now moving into next gen and that's when the PlayStation 2 started, you know, was coming out and everything. And they decided, okay, here's an opportunity where we can actually do something different. Yes, it's still Tomb Raider, but we can do something different with Tomb Raider. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it, this is like one of those games where you have, it's kind of like the way people feel. I guess, between the original Star Wars and the prequel Star Wars, <laughs> and now with the sequel trilogy, like you have everybody that appreciates one area more than the other. And so mm -hmm. you do have like a subsection of the fandom that really loves Angel of Darkness, which is the sixth game, and that came out in 2003, I believe. Mm. Damn. Um, On it. Yeah. <laughs> no, my shit. <laughs> um, it was almost like there was a battle between kind of like Mission Impossible Lara Croft mm -hmm. and, you know, Indiana Jones Lara Croft. Yeah. There was and there was a battle going on literally within mm -hmm. the fandom and also with the developers. Yeah. It, it yeah. They didn't know like what they the, wanted to do with her. It seems like the easy way for you to, to say which games you like more versus which you don't like less is if they have a snazzy title, they probably weren't that good. 
That seems to be the case. <laughs> so but, Tomb Raider I mean, 1, 2, and 3, we're good. We're good. And then you have uh, Chronicles and Curse of the Sword and the Prophecy. Yeah. So, I mean, but like Curse of the Sword and the Prophecy, those were Game Boy games. So they're kind of in a different realm. Yeah, I than the don't original. know the story for either of them. So those ones, like I played them. I liked them. They're mm-hmm. fun. Um, but of course, I think... Prophecy was on Game Boy Advance, and it pissed me off because you'd have to, if you died and had to restart, you had to write down a code <laughs> at the end yep. to get back to where you left off. And of course, you know, wherever I was, I didn't have a pen mm-hmm. and paper. And it's like, God damn it, I you learned real quick again. to bring pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like it was a pain in the ass. Well, but. and these, so actually, this is a, this is a funny question. So in in the prophecy, since you played it, mm-hmm. was it a number code? Was it words or you know letters? I think it was words. Because I want to point that out that of all the codes in in history of putting in codes to come back to where you were, Mega Man was the fucking worst. <laughs> because it was like numbers, but also the characters, like with the hats and all that stuff. And you had to know which hat character was the co- like, really come on. I feel like uh, the name of the fourth game, The Last Revelation, mm-hmm. was like a cry for help. Yeah, like Final Fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, kind of. It it was kind of just a begging to to move yeah. on, and it's yeah. unfortunate because. Lara Croft is such an incredible character, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's got to be such a difficult game to be able to create because mm-hmm. at this point, the even today, even today, 2019, I still don't think that they figured it out. Mm-hmm. If they want to be just an action, violent, you know, just mm-hmm. crazy shoot 'em up mm-hmm. game, or if they want to be a puzzle game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, especially getting on towards the end of like the first kind of like era of Polygon, that's when the battle is really mm-hmm. at its highest end. And it kind of makes Lara Croft's personality almost take it to the sidelines. Mm-hmm. It's becoming a lot more about the game mechanics and it's getting a lot more about um, just graphics yeah. and all in all. And I feel like um, they're trying to compete with other games that start coming mm-hmm. out. Oh, yeah. I don't know yeah. what year. What year did Uncharted come out? Uncharted came out, I think around the same time as the first rebooted game. So yeah. Legend, Anniversary, and Underworld. So they started trying to copy more so of based off of like Uncharted So success. basically, um, this new, the most recent incarnation. Oh, wait, wait. Let's, mm. That's next. That's oh, that's next. next ag- okay. Yeah. Well, so, then, but we can right move on to still, Legend. We are okay. into when, um, basically when Core is starting to okay. finish off okay, working okay, with okay. them. Uncharted came out in 2007, which would put that in oh, the I'm way ahead then. My bad. anniversary edition. Okay, yeah. So that... Legend is 2006. is one year apart, so... Yeah. Mm. Um, so... So, uh, so let's back just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we have a Tomb Raider 2, Tomb Raider 3, and Last Revelation. Those were the, the good chunk of games before it started getting a little wonky yeah. with, mm-hmm. with Eidos. And then you had in 1999, or I'm sorry, in 2000, you had Tomb Raider Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2001, you had Curse of the Sword. And 2002, you had The Prophecy, which yeah. you said Curse of the Sword and Prophecy were on Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And then the final game before Crystal Dynamics took over was Angel of Darkness. Yeah. Yes. So, Angel of Darkness is the, that's the controversial one. Yeah. That's either you love it or you hate yeah, it. Yeah. That's the one that really has created quite a divide. It, it's not. Which side of the divide are you? Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to ask. I, so. I, I personally, I'm, I'm for Angel of Darkness. And the reason why is I liked 
the storyline. I liked that they were doing something different and they were kind of trying to explore a little bit more about Lara as a character. And so why is Angel of Darkness different from the other games? Is there something that happens in this one? Yeah, so basically it becomes no longer necessarily about Tomb Raiding anymore. Um, so not to spoil anything for anybody, but I'm not sure anyone here <laughs> really cares. If you're listening to this, you want to be spoiled. So <laughs> right. Go ahead. The game is $2 on Steam. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So... In Last Revelation, you're introduced to Lara's mentor, who is Werner von Kry. And he kind of was the one that introduced her to archaeology and to ancient history and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of taught her and took her under, took him under, or her under his wing. And their relationship becomes quite tumultuous because she basically leaves him for dead in a tomb, which like she tried to save him because Mm -hmm. he was like, okay, here's this artifact. I'm going to go get it. And she's like, wait a minute. What about traps? And he's like, I don't care. And so he goes and takes Traps it. Traps don't exist yeah. in tombs? Are and you crazy? So, so she doesn't she doesn't leave because she's like, screw you. She leaves because it's a necessity. Oh, Either yeah. well, she's she's not gonna go down with him. Yeah. Basically. And so she's, like she tried to help him and then can't. Like she can't. She has to leave and escape. But I mean, hands up being okay. She clearly went and got help, but he he took it personally. And so, as most men would, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and, bas- I mean, women take it personally in the <laughs> yeah. Tomb Raider universe too. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> it happens more than once. <laughs> yeah, it does. And so, basically, he becomes a villain. And so, he, in Last Revelation, he decides he's going to go find uh, the what is it? It's it's the Amulet of Horus, I think, is what it's called, and. Basically, Lara finds it first, and she unwittingly unleashes the Egyptian god Set, who in Egyptian mythology is basically sort of like the devil, but not really. He's he's the anti, he's the bad guy in the mythology, whereas like Horus was the good guy. And so Last Revelation is basically about Lara trying to fix the mistake that she made. Mm-hmm. And the subplot of that is her relationship with Von Cry. And so the game ends where basically Lara saves the world. She's able to defeat Set, put him back where he belongs, but she ends up sacrificing herself and ends up stuck in a collapsed pyramid. And you're basically left on a cliffhanger. Is she dead? Maybe. We don't know. And so when Chronicles comes out, that's when they kind of try to tie up that loose end where, like, the overarc of the plot is, you know, they've had a funeral for her, all of this stuff, and then the game ends where Von Cry has managed to find her and pull her out of the rubble. So then when we get to Angel of Darkness... Lara's in a very bad place. She um, is not the same person she was. She 
as opposed to previous times where she's almost died and all of that. Like, it gave her strength. This time, it had the opposite effect. And when they were originally working on the storyline, they actually even dabbled with, you know, making her become an alcoholic and crazy mm -hmm. stuff like that. But then ultimately, they're like, that's not a good idea. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> but so she basically is very angry with Von Cry that she feels like he left her, that he left her behind. He didn't do enough to try and save her, even though ultimately, yeah, he did. He found her and mm -hmm. saved her, but she's still very angry about that. And so the way Angel of Darkness starts is Von Cry has reached out to Lara for help because he's gotten in with some bad people that are trying to find um, these old paintings called uh, the Obscura Paintings. And so basically they're like these um, occult type of paintings that Very have good name for them too. The Obscura Obscura Paintings, paintings yeah. <laughs> and so he was tasked with finding these and then he realized that the guy he's working for is a psychopath and really shouldn't have these things. And so he wants Lara to help him. Lara's like, no, screw you. I don't care. And so while she's arguing with him in his apartment in Paris, of course, lights go out and suddenly, boom, Von Cry's dead. So now you have a murder mystery with mm -hmm. Lara Croft. And Lara Croft, she's so broken at this point. I think mm -hmm. this kind of ties back into, is Lara Croft a role model? Yeah, she still is. Because mm -hmm. at this point, this kind of game, the whole purpose, the reason why there's so much controversy in this game is that they basically took in a lot of care for the story and they kind of just said, eh, for the actual gameplay. Yeah. <laughs> well, but see, because we had this conversation mm -hmm. earlier mm -hmm. where you're talking about bugs and buggy games. Angel of Darkness is arguably probably one of the buggiest games that I've ever played. It's terrible. And that's why a lot of people hate it is because it's almost unplayable. And depending on which version you have, PlayStation 2, I think bugs were a lot worse than on PC. And so a lot of people hate it because of that, because they simply could not play the game. Mm -hmm. Man, and, if they lived in this era, it'd be awesome. It'd yeah. be like a, a, a yeah. meme icon right now. Exactly. But basically, you're introduced into a... A, a broken hero like mm -hmm. you can go through hell and back and you can be going through a tough time like obviously lara croft has been put in that position where she has had to abandon people mm -hmm. too but now that she's in that position where she had to be left behind mm -hmm. she's she's kind of getting a taste of how that feels and yeah. it doesn't make it hurt any less yeah now, does, does she go through the redemption arc so this is what makes angel of darkness so sad because originally it was planned to be a trilogy game and um, they had a whole story arc that they were going to do that eventually would lead to, yes, the redemption of Lara Croft. But because Eidos was so gung-ho about getting this game out, um, you know, Core was dealing with having to change an engine system because now they're not lo no longer working on PlayStation 1, they're working with PlayStation 2. And so there was a lot of challenges in making this game. And probably if they had been allowed to take the time needed, or even, you know, like we had this conversation earlier about pushing the game back, if it's a mechanics issue, if they had been given the opportunity that some companies are given today, 
where, okay, put out, test it. If it's not good, then let's go ahead and just hold back on releasing it so then we can release the best product. That wasn't the case here. This was, no, this needs to get done now and I don't care if it's done, we're releasing it. And it ended up hurting them badly. Mm -hmm. And um, instead of taking the responsibility of that failure, Eidos Interactive pretty much put the blame on Cortisano. Oh, this is your fault because you guys didn't do a good job making this game. When really it was like, okay, you guys didn't give us enough time to yeah. make this game. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the end of the Cortisano. This is era. the end. So basically Angel of Darkness ends with Lara Croft walking down a dark tunnel and you never see her again. <laughs> yeah. That is brutal. It's, and it's, it's crazy because you never see that one again. Either. Yeah, you no. never that see version, version of Lara yeah, is gone. You never see her again. Basically since then, it, you know, Lara Croft took a big break after that and then for the games that came out after that, it was going back to the beginning. Yeah. It was started all starting, over again. starting over again because well, it was it was a rough end. I wanted to point out you mentioned Gabby that um this that she was a broken hero in in the final game, which is a recurring theme I think that starts appearing more and more often mm-hmm. especially in the reboot reboot whatever yes. one you mm-hmm. want to say the 2013 yeah. mm-hmm. version um but before we get there we have four more games and this is the beginning of the crystal dynamics yes era. so basically after the debacle that was angel of darkness Eidos decides okay we're pulling the rights to making this game from core design and we're giving them to Crystal Dynamics. And Crystal Dynamics had actually made a game for Eidos, which was, um, was it Soul Reaper or Soul of Khan? One I'm, of like, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank, but they made a pretty successful um, franchise with them. And so they decided, okay, we'll give you guys a shot. And Toby Gard, who was actually the one of the first six people that created the first Tomb Raider game came back for this. And he's like, okay, this is a fresh start. Mm-hmm. You know, I can help make Lara Lara again. And I not sure that it went the way that he wanted it to, because, you know, going back to the sec- sexualization of Lara Croft, I feel like this is when she became sexualized in game yeah the outfits the outfit in game that bathing suit yeah this is the first time you've had the option to dress lara to basically unlock different outfits and then when you're braiding tombs you can wear whatever you want including a couple of bikinis so you're running through the jungle wearing a bikini which doesn't feel very comfortable (laughs) no it doesn't i personally I, I'm a sucker for that stuff. Even <laughs> when I was a kid, that would be like the number one thing I would want to purchase it. But it, it was interpreted in such a, a negative light that it kind of overshadowed her actual character arc. Mm-hmm. Because that was when the actual kind of like gameplay started to become a bit more outdated with everything else that was coming out. Mm-hmm. And it was more focused on the story. But when people start to play the game, they... They can't really enjoy the story if the controls aren't very good, but they can, can they they can enjoy the outfits. Yes. <laughs> so then true. there was much more of a focus on the sexualization of Laura Croft, mm-hmm. and it kind of made the story not as significant and as I mean, it should have been and, back then. And one of the things that still makes me laugh is that the um, the static 
load screen for the start menu for Legend is Lara just standing there and doing different stuff and her boobs are jiggling the whole time. And then <laughs> like during the game, if you just stop and you're not doing anything, she'll start stretching and all kinds of stuff. And my they, kind of game. All they, right. they felt the need to like really animate her boobs. Her boobs will just jiggle. She'll just stand yeah. there and like bounce on her toes and her boobs will just jiggle. I think that they became a bit more, um, that's where back then because yeah. it, it was a tough time yeah for mm-hmm. games back then well and it's so. interesting too that you say it right around this time so i did i did look it up while you were talking mm-hmm. um ios interactive in the crystal dynamics game you're talking about was soul reaver like okay. the came soul reaver but they also did one other one that still weighs heavy on my heart because it's an amazing game uh gex 3 yes cover gecko yes gex they did that too i, I keep I telling those games rich <laughs> that gex should be remade but i don't know if it will work in today's time because i mean it's all about movie puns and that, who who knows if that works anymore well i mean but technically they could do it because they've remade spyro, spyro. <laughs> and crash bandicoot so definitely i think they could that's the next one if you guys that. are listening petition i want gex yes bring gex back <laughs> but see if they remastered it I don't know if a lot of the people that would be playing it now would understand any of the references. Yeah, but how many new people went out and bought Spyro exactly. and Crash Bandicoot? Exactly. It's really for our generation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have the uh, so we have Legend Anniversary and Underworld. So this mm-hmm. is what we were talking about. So mm-hmm. so what um, what was introduced into the storylines or in the gameplay in those three games that stuck in the franchise? So. Basically, this was the introduction. Other of, than sixty outfits, which also stuck. Yeah, it did. It stick. did stick. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so much, but I don't want to say too much before the next episode. You know. Yeah. Well, but and this is where like one of the defining features of Lara Croft was her parents. Yeah. In the original games, they were absent. They told her, "We don't like what you're doing. You're not living the lifestyle we want." So guess what? You're cut off. We don't want anything to do with you anymore. This took on the, oh, she is a loving daughter. Her parents were actually adventurers too. Oh, hey, her dad was an archaeologist type of thing. And so this actually started with the movie, which I know we'll get to that on your list too. I almost feel like the, because for the movies, Angelina Jolie is more based off of Polygon era. Mm-hmm. Or she off, is, yeah. Whereas um, Alicia is 2013. It, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's a almost a cut and copy clone of the 2013 one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like that one a lot. So, Okay, so before we, we sign off for the night, we have one last one. Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light. So that one is different format than the That's other That's the one games. we just don't talk about. What the heck? It's so no, I'm good. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So that, that we can grab the marshmallow again. <laughs> so that one is the first introduction of like co-op. Yeah. For Tomb Raider, which never mm-hmm. existed before. Um, I mean, like in Angel of Darkness, you had the opportunity to play a different character than Lara. Um, was but you, not only for like a brief segment. It was though? for like one level, so mm-hmm. it wasn't really. I mean, it was a big deal back then, but not so much anymore. Was his name Indy? No. <laughs> Curtis Trent, and he had psychic powers. <laughs> so anyway, this one is like, it's co-op. And basically, it's not just simply raiding a tomb. You have 
to rely on each other to get to where you need to go. And it's completely different format. Like it's no longer third person shooter type of thing. It's more like, you called it a, a dungeon runner, right? Yeah, yeah, I would consider it more. It's more like a, you know, a game that you play with your friends. Mm-hmm. Not so much a game that, you know, you're going to... It's a game that's meant to be experienced with others. It's not mm-hmm. so much of a, a story. And that's, yeah. that's where I feel like it, it kind of... It, sometimes it falls apart because another example, uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles was an absolute you-must-be-cooperative game. And people didn't like that. Uh, in that game, you had to bring the crystal... Chronicle the crystal with you wherever you went. That that was a mm-hmm. that like dumb torch mechanic. Yeah. It just wasn't fun. And that, that, um, that's where it's it's forcing that multiplayer or cooperative aspect on you that you have to do it like this. And that could be a reason why people liked Guardian of Light so much, or it could be a reason why people just hate it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I liked Guardian of Light a lot. I love the Aztec like background. That's fair. Aztec is always good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Egyptian stuff. I think it was a really fun break. Yeah, in it, between for it, the two stories because it's not really I don't think it really belongs in either it's it doesn't just its yeah. own fun it's, thing yeah it's its own thing and that was when they were making adjustments to figuring out what they were going to do next mm-hmm. that was when uh, Square Enix took over Eidos Interactive really no longer existed at yeah. that point and they were deciding what they were going to do and so that was a way to still put out a game and make money. Mm-hmm. And so and, there, there was five years in between those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And at this point in time, the way that where Lara Croft standed when it came into pop culture was heavily inspired and influenced more so with Angelina Jolie than with the actual game. Mm-hmm. So it had, um, yeah, I would say it was more, it was kind of more embracing the sexuality at this point. Yeah. I feel like the Tomb Raider movies really did a great job in kind of making it be, um, she owned it, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. She, she, she owned her sexuality. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was. It was fantastic, and I feel like this was a a, a very positive time for Tomb Raider fans. Yeah. Even despite the games not being sure. up to par with where they wanted, it was kind of it was a really great time for um, kind of like community. It was kind of mm-hmm. a, more of a solid foundation for a franchise and fandom that you did not expect to live on. Mm-hmm. They it was at a point where they were bonding more than ever. Yeah. Basically. I, I also mm-hmm. like that this is a strange thing too that I've, I've noticed in, in speaking. I'd like to point out that all of the Tomb Raider games and all of the games that are like it, where you you know you go and find treasures and artifacts, very rarely do you see Greek artifacts in there at all. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because Greek has the biggest mythology attached to it mm-hmm. that most mm-hmm. people know. So it's interesting, like you said, Aztec. There's mm-hmm. Egyptian. There's all this other stuff. There's Atlanteans always... is kind of vaguely. I mean, they didn't even touch Christianity until Rise. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it's just it's just interesting that there's hardly any Greek, and I think that's a good thing. Maybe everybody knows all the stories about the Greeks. So yeah. I want to know I more mean, stories. Yeah. About who them. knows? With you know, I'm I'm sure this isn't the end for Lara Croft. Yeah, <laughs> like, we'll, but we'll I mean, see her again someday. Yeah. Technically, I think, or maybe it was Roman, but basically Roman mythology is just Greek. a ripoff yeah. of Greek, but. In the first Tomb Raider game, you actually do deal with that. There's a whole... Oh, Atlantis. <laughs> well, no, not Atlantis, <laughs> but there's a whole um, level that's basically like the Colosseum, which is Roman, of course. But mm. there's a section of tomb. It's people that have played this game will know which one I'm talking about. I think it's um, St. Francis Folly. And basically, there's it's just this giant 
box chamber where you have to go up and come down and go to different rooms and you have to backtrack a lot. And each of the rooms you have to get into is a is a Greek myth. So you have gotcha. da- you have Damocles and it's the swords hanging from the ceiling. You have Poseidon and it's a a um, water level. And I think there's a Hades one and it's fire. What the shit? Yeah. <laughs> there's all these gods and Damocles is just there by himself. Yeah. Damocles <laughs> pretty much a, a god. No. Um. Damn, I had one other thing too, but I forgot what it was. Just escaped me. <laughs> just remind people to check out the show notes for the secret link. Yeah. I told you, secret link, Arnold and Linda. That's all you need to know. It's probably one of the funniest <laughs> secret links we put up. It was very funny. Until, well... I think mine is pretty funny. But I, yeah, I'm yours is pretty funny, too. That, so I put up this link for this one. Next week's link is the one that Rich put up. I'm not saying yours isn't funny because it was, it was awkward and hilarious. <laughs> but the most important part is it's the origin of a meme. Yes. That's so true. There's That's a secret true. link for next week, too. Um, but you'll have to wait. <laughs> On that note, we will see you guys... I do want to say thanks again to Goob and Brandra. Yeah. So, are, they're going to be here again next week. Yeah. So, I mean, we are just going to record right now for the next one. But you oh, guys I'm ready. Reboot Laura is my baby. Reboot oh, Laura is also my baby. <laughs> She's my and baby. Angelina, Angelina Jolie, um, as much as I loved her in Hackers, I like her more in... Yeah, you guys forgot about I that. I feel like that was the pinnacle. Of, <laughs> hey, Reboot of, Laura is my baby, and then Angelina Jolie is my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, we will see you guys next week. (laughs) Bye-bye, guys. Bye.